you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky back with you. Buck, how are you doing, my friend? I am doing great on a, I guess guess it's Monday. It's Monday started week. We got a couple weeks left. The draft is coming close, and we're just trying to sort it all out. So this should be a very exciting and fun episode. Yeah, here's what we've got today. We are going to we're going to spend a little time rebuilding the Detroit Lions. Okay, we're going to have some fun with that. Um, we are going to go best day two players. T- kind of tough to predict. We don't know who exactly is going to go in the first round. But we have a rough idea. Usually. I think in, if you look at mock drafts, everybody always looks, do you get this player with this team? I kind of look at it and say, of the 32 first-round picks, how many guys did you have in there? And most of us, Buck, I would say we end up with 26 to 28 of the 32 names correctly in there. Yeah. So we kind of know who the first-round guys are. Where they go, who knows? But that gives us a little bit of an idea of who might be available on day two. So we spent so much time talking about these top guys. I thought it'd be fun today kind of go by, by position, throw out some names, guys we really like that, uh, that could be second, third-round picks. Yeah, I mean, look. The draft is far more than just the first round. You want to make sure that you nail your first round picks, but the championship teams are able to find guys outside of the first round. Those guys not only become key contributors, but they become starters. And if you get enough of those guys, you compile a nice foundation that can lead to a sustained run at a high level. So there you go. We are going to rebuild the Lions and we're going to look at uh, day two picks that we like. We're also going to answer some listener questions here at the end. Nabil's been uh, uh, kind of combing through all the comments on Apple Podcasts to pull out some of those. Again, if you haven't already, please do us a solid uh, uh, rate, review, all that good stuff at uh, at, at uh, Apple Podcasts, what we call that? Yes. They've changed the name a million years ago. I still like to call it iTunes, but I'm pretty sure that's not the case anymore. Um, but we're going to get there as well. Before we get into all that stuff, which is going to be a lot of fun, uh, some some difficult news over the weekend, Buck. Uh, just shocked by, by the sudden passing of Dwayne Haskins. Um, who I know you got a chance to, to know pretty well with the Elite 11 and getting a chance to be around him. First of all, um, send our, our thoughts and our prayers to his entire family, his wife. I just, I, it's hard to imagine as young as he was, but I apologize to you too, Buck. I just thinking about you, uh, I mean, 
it's tough when you see somebody that young with their whole life ahead of them. Well, DJ, I think I think as you've grown to know these prospects now on this side of the business, we begin to meet them so much sooner than when they're about to be uh, eligible for the draft. And so when you meet these guys, it's high school guys, and they're full of ambition, their life is ahead of them. And the only thing that you hope for anybody, um, you hope and pray that they are able to fulfill their dreams, they're able to realize some of the goals and things that they have out there. And so for me, the news of Dwayne's passing was shocking um, at a time when you're just thinking about like, man, 24 years old, so much life is ahead of you. But it really tugs at your heartstrings when you had an opportunity to see the video of him running around the Ohio State locker room when he's a little kid and telling his dad that he's going to play there and having the jersey on and all that other stuff. I think anyone who is a parent, who has kids, who's understood how their kids express their dreams, man, that was the gut punch. You know, because it's it's far more than whatever whatever he was as a player to whatever he was going to be as a player. He still is a young man with so much promise to impact the world, not only as a player, but as a person, a leader in the community. And so for me, I'm sad. And I'm really sad because it came at a time where he was talking about really like pouring in and changing his life, like wearing number three, because number three was very prominent in the good book, in the Bible, talking about resurrection and all those other things and how he wanted to take his experience from Washington to go to Pittsburgh and just change and how everyone around him, because you really know how someone lived their life by the responses of the people around him and the way the locker room and the people that he touched talked about him. And so it's just unfortunate. It's it's a tragedy that um, we have a young life that has gone far too soon. But I think the only way that we can honor him is really to celebrate the young man that he was, how he lived, and the impact that he had on so many around him. Yeah, and we caught up on the phone over the weekend, and you brought up a great point. Kind of when you're our, our age, you start looking at this, and you say, man, my, that's my kids. I can't imagine getting that phone call. But it's, the worst, it's everybody's worst nightmare. And so, again, our man, our thoughts and, and prayers go out to their, their entire family it's, uh, as they're trying to trying to grieve right now and and just I can't I can't ima- I can't imagine it is what it is. I just cannot imagine um, just a sad, sad situation. So anyways, our thoughts and prayers with the with the Haskins family. Um, OK, there's no easy transition here, Buck. But um, uh, let's why don't we say let's jump into the Lions. We're going to try and rebuild uh, the Lions. And this is team building presented by Upwork, where you can build a team that will build your business. Learn more at Upwork. So the Detroit Lions, here they are, second pick in the draft. They pick two, they pick 32 and 34. Um, They also pick 66, uh, which is in in round number three. And then we could get to the early, another three they have, sorry, a late three, which is 97. So if we're kind of looking at that area there from uh, pick number two all the way down to pick 97, I've used our... uh, our good friends at PFF, I've been playing around this thing, this mock you draft simulator. Oh, it's I fun. See, I see you and Rick oh, playing with it all. Yeah, oh, it's a toy. It's just a toy. And the funny thing is, a general manager friend of ours, I had reached out to him, and I'm like, dude, you could waste a lot of time on this thing. Like, I don't, I don't know how this all is going to shake out draft-wise, but you just can have fun of seeing if this, then that, you know, kind of the games that we yeah. play. Um, it's a cool it's a cool program that they have. So I went through and kind of said, okay, if, if it falls this way, um, who would you take in these different spots? But I think with the first overall pick, Buck, it seems to be everything that you hear, it's either Hutchinson if he's there. Um, If he's not there, you hear Walker. Uh, Sorry, I take that back. You hear Thibodeau with them. Mm -hmm. So the Lions have been pegged 
right or wrong, but that's the information out there. Hutchinson would be there. He, they turn in the card. If Hutchinson goes one, then it sounds like maybe Thibodeau uh, would be two for them. Yeah, and I think they can't go wrong because when you look at this team, the number one thing that we've learned as scouts and evaluators is you got to build your team to win the division. And so when we think about the division, the team that you're chasing are the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers have one of the best quarterbacks that we've seen in our lifetime in Aaron Rodgers. And so what can you do to knock him around? And so the best thing that you can do is have a pass rush that will enable you to rush four and drop seven and play coverage. And the only way that the Lions will be able to do that is they have to have an explosive athlete, a dynamic player off the edge. So whether it's Aiden Hutchinson, whether it's Kayvon Thibodeau, whoever's left, based on what the Jaguars do at one, they need to run in the car because that player is going to give them a chance to knock the quarterback down, and that gives them a chance to close the gap on the division rival. Yeah, there's really just not a lot that you're scared of when you look at this front, you know, and that's the area where they have to look. I just, to me, when I look at who would be my highest-rated defensive player in that scenario, Hutchinson's my number one overall yep. player. Then I have Aquanu, the tackle from NC State, too. So if I was going to go strictly off the board, it, I would take Sauce Gardner is my number three overall player. Now, they still need to find some pass rushers. I do think, though, when you look at this draft, I think there are other options. Um, if they wanted, to, if they had to wait, I think there's other guys they can get, and I'll actually give you one here at 66 in just a minute. Um, but that was an, an area that I don't know. I don't think they're going to do that, but I'm looking okay, at it from my perspective. I think that's the best okay, player so, available. Okay, so let's continue to play this out, right? Because a couple years ago, they took Jeffrey Okuda at three. Yep. And that Jeff, he's had a tough time. Got hurt. playing. Then he had, he's coming off a, an Achilles injury, I, believe I think. So. Yeah. so now, if we played it out, let's just say he gets healthy. So now you're talking about in a division where they like to throw the ball around because you know the Minnesota Vikings are going to throw it. Kevin O'Connell takes over. He wants to build it around the quarterback, and so they're going to sling it. Um, you think about the Green Bay Packers and what the Green Bay Packers have been able to do, and who knows what the Chicago Bears are going to do. But if you do go that route where you take Sauce Gardner, you finally maybe get the best out of Jeff Okuda. You have two young corners that hopefully can play man-to-man and do the kind of things that you want to make it difficult for quarterbacks to be able to fit it in. Because in reality, it's going to be hard to sack Aaron Rodgers because the ball comes out. So the best thing that you can do, you can tighten the coverage to give your rush another second or two to be able to get after. So let's go in that route. Sauce Gardner is depicted, and we can go that way. Okay, I'm going to go down through, and this is just kind of the names that were available. And I, again, I don't think it's going to fall like this, but this is my lucky day, apparently, with, it is uh, with this day. simulator. So I had them taking Gardner at two. I came back at 32, and Jahan Dotson was still there. Mm. So I'm going to throw him into that mix with Amon Ross St. Brown, let those guys kind of grow together. Um, Amara St. Brown had an outstanding rookie campaign. Remember, they went out and they got DJ Chark. They yep. brought him in, paid him some money. You've got Josh Reynolds still there, but there's nothing to me that would discourage me from from making that move. So you can go out there with Amara St. Brown, DJ Chark, and then now you slide in Jahan Dotson, and you've got Reynolds. You can kind of roll t- roll in there as well. I think you've got some real firepower. But then you you come around, Buck, and pick right after that at 34. And in this one, Kenny Pickett didn't go. So we've been talking about Kenny Pickett being the first quarterback off the board. For some reason, in this one, he's he's sitting out there. So I had Kenny Pickett there. And if he was there, you'd take him at 32. You wouldn't wait to 34 because you could get the extra, year, year. extra year on the contract. Um, then at 66 came back Josh Paschal, who's an inside-outside edge rusher from Kentucky. I think he's an outstanding player. And then I got his teammate, Luke Fortner, who can play any of the three interior offensive line spots at 97. So... In other words, we can say edge rusher, and that's everything we hear, mm-hmm. edge rusher at two. But if for some reason they want to go in another direction, I, 
all the way into the third round, there's edge rushers. This there year. are edge rushers. We talked about the depth and the talent at the edge rusher position, so you certainly can go that. I think the thing that is interesting is uh, the decision to take Kenny Pickett, whether it's at 32 or 34. Coming off of the news where Dan Campbell has said that you don't have to have an elite quarterback to compete in a high level. One of the biggest issues or concerns that we had about Kenny Pickett was more so about the tool set, the tool set in a shootout against one of the elite guys that we talk about, the Patrick Mahomes, the Justin Herberts, the Josh Allens, the elite young quarterbacks. Would he have enough ammo to go head to head with them? But when you have a coach who says, we don't need that guy, we can build up the rest of the team and we can play a style that would allow us to kind of mask it. Kenny Pickett then would certainly make sense at that pick. If not, Desmond Ritter would also make a ton of sense yeah. if he is there at the top, bottom of the first, top of the second round. I think they can find their quarterback at the bottom of the first round if they so desire. Yeah, the other thing you got to remember is the logic that's out there of, well, like Jared Goff's in Detroit. I don't know that Kenny Pickett is significantly better than Jared Goff. That's that's the that's argument. Also. Here's the counter argument. Yeah, but when you look at Jared Goff and what he's going to be making, or another veteran, what we have to pay a veteran quarterback versus how cheap I get Kenny Pickett. It's not Kenny Pickett versus Jared Goff. It's Kenny Pickett plus this free agent plus this free agent plus this free agent to match the money that you're going to have to pay with somebody, a veteran like a Jared Goff. And I, and I think it's one of those things where that is a very transient position right now because even if Kenny Pickett does, all this is is a relay race. Jared Goff is handing it off to Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett would run it a while, but if Kenny Pickett doesn't show that he has five star tools and talent to be able to close the gap on those other quarterbacks that we mentioned, then you hand it off to somebody else in the draft while you give that next quarterback a better team to jump into. Yeah, so Kenny Pick, or sorry, Jared Goff this year uh, in yearly cash is 26150 so over $26 million. His cap hit this year is $31 million bucks. So you talk about a second round quarterback and that cap hit, that's next to nothing. So he doesn't have to be significantly better than Jared Goff. He just has to be somewhere close to Jared Goff because eventually over the next three years, he's going to allow us so much flexibility to do so many other things. The tie goes to the runner. And so Absolutely. we've seen this when you, you get into training camp. If there's an older veteran making significant amount of money and there's a young guy, and if that competition is close, you always lean for the young, cheaper guy. And so this is a situation where you're the Detroit Lions. You're looking at the quarterback position. You're looking at Jerry Goff, and you're trying to assess which of the young guys is close enough to him to maybe enable us to move off of him. It's one of those situations. Look, we saw it play out in Philadelphia. Even though it wasn't supposed to play out, Jalen Hurts eventually replaces Carson Wentz. They save a ton of money. They get picks. They're able to do a bunch of different things. And, oh, by the way, they still went to the playoffs with a young quarterback. There you go. So I think that that's the argument for them taking a quarterback, even if you think it's not a huge upgrade over what you already have. Uh, anything else you want to do here with the Lions before we move on, Buck? No, I mean, now that we got that Dan Campbell thing out, it gave us an opportunity to tie. You don't need an elite quarterback. I don't know if I necessarily agree. I used to think that way, but after looking at the postseason, yeah, now give me the pitcher. Give me the fastball pitcher. I will deal with the rest of the lineup later. No doubt. All right, that was team building presented by Upwork, the world's work marketplace. Learn more at upwork.com. All right, Buck, let's take a quick break, and we're going to come back and jump into some of our favorite players here on day two of the draft. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 
37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, let's, uh, let's do what we did the other day, Buck. We went by position and uh, we tried to identify... Uh, where we thought some of the big leaps might come from, or maybe the shocks, I think, by position. I say we go by position right now. Let's just talk about day two, a player that you love. You know, I, let's say they're, they're, sleep, they're uh, sleep well players. So you take them. Sleep well, okay. That night you sleep like a baby. Okay, sleep like a baby. There's other yeah, players. I'm talking about guys that are going to – some of these guys are going to the top ten. You're not going to sleep well. There's going to be guys who are like, I think I got it. I think he's good. I think he could be great. But I'm I'm a little nervous. All right. Let's eliminate the nerves. You ready to go? Okay. All right. Let's go day two corners. Let's start at corners. We'll go with that that uh, alpha like we did uh, the other day. Day two corner, Bucky Brooks stamp. Who we got? Day two corner that I absolutely love. Like I wish we. I give you one. I'll give you mine. Did you give me your. All right. I'm gonna give you mine on these because I'm going in such a random order. It gives you time to grab. <laughs> such a uh, Roger McCreary. Okay, that's funny because I was going to talk about Roger McCreary. Go ahead, let's go. I love, I love the makeup that he has. I love the competitiveness. I love the fact that this guy's always in position. You know, his numbers don't wow you. He was 5'11", and, uh, 5'11", 3'8", 190, ran 4'5", flat, which is right where you kind of want to be, but nothing elite. Um, doesn't have that big-time burst, but he's physical, he's tough, he's smart. You saw him battle against Jahan Dotson and, and uh, Traylon Burks. He's competitive. To me, that's a second-round corner that I'd feel real good about. Yeah, no, you, you feel good about him. The only thing that people will talk about is they will talk about the speed issue in terms of he ran 4-5 at the combine, his arms. arm length, Short arms, yep. Yeah, short arms being 28. But when you watch him play, from a skill set standpoint, he has a lot of things that are really intriguing. He can come up and press. He's nose-nose. He's very competitive. He appears to always be in perfect position when the ball is there. However, you just wonder. In the big boy league and the pros, when you're dealing with those big athletes, those animals on the outside, can he close the gap and be in perfect position, even though he does have some length deficiencies that you worry about? All right, give me another one there. Okay, so I'm going to go with Kyler Gordon from Washington. And 
one, UW has produced a handful of DBs the last few years, and they all have played and played pretty well. Callan Gordon is another one of those guys, 5'11 and a half, 194 pounds. Even though the speed is 4'5", 2, I just love the competitiveness. And I also know that in the secondary that he played in, he was tasked with a bunch of responsibilities. To me, you cannot go wrong when you take high IQ cornerbacks in your secondary because this is a guy that I not only believe that can play outside, I believe he has enough versatility to go inside and be a sub-package defender for an elite defense. I like it. All right, we're going to go to safeties next here. We'll stay on the defensive side of the ball. We'll stay in the defensive backfield. And there's other safeties that are going to go ahead of this player in in second day, I'm talking. He's not even not talking about first round. He might be available potentially maybe in the third round when it's all said and done. I'm going to go with the other Baylor safety, JT Woods from Baylor. So JT Woods is 6021, 195 pounds, ran 436. You know the speed is legit. This dude was a 110-meter hurdle runner uh, at Baylor, big-time track athlete. But, Buck, you combine that with production. He's got six picks. He goes to the Senior Bowl, picks off a ball in the Senior Bowl game. He's a little bit lean, but this dude can play in the middle of the field. He's got just just burst and bounce in the way that he plays. They use him as a robber some. I even with my notes, I'm like, I'm not so sure this guy couldn't play corner if he wanted to. Just put him outside and let him do that. Um, but for some reason, doesn't get a lot of buzz, doesn't get a lot of attention. I've got a big, fast dude who can play the football and has production. Uh, to me, sign me up for him. Look at you stepping out the box. I'm going to go, and I'm going to keep it simple. And we've talked about this guy of late a little more, but I'm going to go with Jaquan Brisker yeah. from Penn State. And part of the reason I'm fascinated by Brisker is he's a guy that I think is a perfect guy to drop down in the box. And the way the game is trending, you have to have those thumpers, those heavy hitters down at the line of scrimmage. Penn State has beginning to produce all of these athletic phenoms and freaks that are playing on their defense. And I think he's another one that has – Nice speed to go as a sideline to sideline playmaker. He does a good job of hitting. Not necessarily the best cover guy, but I think when you're looking at the way teams are kind of comprising their secondaries, one of those safeties has to have enough thump to be linebacker-like. I think he has some of that ability. I love it. Uh, Let's go to linebackers. So day two linebackers, I'm going to go with Chad Muma from Wyoming. Uh, he's almost six foot three, 239 pounds, ran four, six, three off the ball inside linebacker. He's got short area quickness. He's got an outstanding eyes. You can watch him against uh, Northern Illinois. He's got a pick six in that game. Just gets a great jump on the ball. He's got big time range. There's a little bit of tightness there, uh, which is the only reason why I think he didn't go in the first round to be quite honest with you. Uh, he's an outstanding blitzer. He fits, you know, he fits the bill of what plays in the league right now. And you think about Logan Wilson, same school, uh, who's been very productive for the Cincinnati Bengals. A lot of similarities in, in, in the way they play. So that'd be my, my day two guy. And I think he'll probably go in the, in the top 50 picks. No, it's, it's funny because when I, when I watch him, one, I liked him. And I think the, the comparison to Logan Wilson really stands out because you see him in the same uniform. Yeah. Right? You see Logan Wilson. You see how Logan Wilson's game is translated to the pros. And you get excited because Moomin is a standout performer. The guy that I'm going with is Alabama's Christian Harris. And one of yeah. the reasons why is I think there's some versatility to his game that a creative defensive coordinator is going to lock into. Uh, yes, there's some issues in terms of you rarely see him in coverage, but he is one of the best blitzers that I found in terms of being able to come off the edge, the timing, he harasses the quarterback. And when you look at the athleticism, I'm looking at the numbers, 604, 226, 444 speed, 32 and a quarter inch arms, 
nine and five eighths hands, and you just understand that you're getting a kind of a, a freak show in terms of the length, the athleticism, being able to get him on the move coming downhill. I think there's some intrigue and in adding a dynamic player that can play near the box and give you some of that pass rush ability as a second level blitzer. Yeah, I mean the speed the speed jumps off the screen when you're watching. I mean, he plays hard. He plays fast. No doubt. Um, okay, let's keep it going here. Let's get down inside to the defensive tackles. So day two, defensive tackles, and this one to me, and there's a chance he could go in one. It wouldn't shock me if he went in the first round, but Travis Jones from UConn. Um, we, we've been working too long together. Oh, you got the same uh, guy? In my head, I was yeah. thinking. Oh, he, Jones. dude, he's 325 pounds. He ran 492. He's six four and a half. was just dominant at the Senior Bowl um, down there. You can move him up and down the line of scrimmage. He can hang and in, in, uh, in hang in there versus doubles is no problem whatsoever. He's got push the pocket pass rush. I think he's got more upside as a rusher that we haven't got a chance to, to see yet, but I think that's all on his body. I think to me, he's a, he's somebody, I, if you're picking at the top of the second round, I would love to turn in that card and I will sleep like a baby. Well, I mean, I think it's easy to sleep like a baby with him because it's not only his ability to stop the run, you got a chance to see it up close and personal at the senior bowl. I think the thing that I've been impressed with is his ability at, where he is inside in tight quarters. He has strength and explosiveness, but he also has enough little wiggle to kind of play on the edges. And I'm looking at the traits, 34-inch arms. So that length is essential because now he's able to kind of like rock, shock, and shed. You know, he can knock you back yep. when you think. He can le- extend you out and do it. But, DJ, I don't know what's going on with the defensive tackle room, but you just don't see guys that are 325 pounds running Freak. 49 to 40. And I know the 40 isn't a great indicator of anything, but you just don't see big bodies run like this. And you're right. He is a guy down near the line of scrimmage who can um, write it nose. He can kick out a little bit and make some things happen. He's interesting. DeMarvin Leal from Texas A&M is the guy that I okay. highlight. 6'3", 283. The speed was not what some of these freak athletes were putting up. But I think there's a little versatility to his game because when I look at him I'm like okay maybe three maybe a five technique playing on the edge of the tackle in a three four defense he has the length that you that you typically covet and there are flashes throughout his time at Texas A&M where you really get excited about what he can do needs more consistency but he certainly is an intriguing athlete one of the great conversations in the draft room I love this player he's versatile I hate this player he's a tweener like you get the same player you can hear the argument for and against it to it because that that's the thing 6'3", 283 is not quite the girth that you typically want on the inside. But then you're like, man, he, he's comfortable inside. And I think for me, the best example of Arden Key. Arden yeah. Key kicking inside for the San Francisco 49ers a year ago and being able to produce six, six and a half sacks. With the Marvin Lille, you're talking about a similarity where people are looking for that specialized player on the inside. I think he has some potential in that. Okay, edge rushers. Um, we are going to go for day two guys there. And again, this player right on the borderline could go in one. And I would I would be totally fine if he went in one. But if somehow you tell me in the top of the second round that Arnold Ebicady is there from Penn State, sign me up. Um, to me, what I want in rushers, I want the ability to win speed and power. He can do it. He can convert speed to power. He plays his butt off. So when you look at the sack reels of the top guys every year, there's a handful of them that they get that are just pure effort. He's going to be able to collect some of those as well. Um, I just love the way that he plays. You can watch what he does against Michigan. You see his ability to swipe, corner, and then finish. Um, again, a little touch of tightness there, not an elite bender on the edge, 
but powerful. And he's got that lower center of gravity body that's just a nightmare to handle for tackle. So that'd be my guy on day two. He, he is a nice fit for a team that likes upfield pass rushers. Nine and a half sacks a season ago. Did a great job transferring in from Temple. Quickly bought into the culture. Earned his way onto the field. He is certainly a hot prospect. I'm going to go with, we talked. I feel like we talked about all these guys, but Boye Mafe from Minnesota. And the reason why, you alluded to effort and how important effort is. When you look at this guy, the effort that he displays, and what I like is over the course of the last three years, he's gotten better and better. When you watch his sack totals from three to four and a half to seven, he finished his career with 19 and a half tackles for loss. It is about finding what your superpower is and always leaning into that. And to me, his superpower is his effort. Not necessarily his first step quickness, but the relentless effort. We've seen guys who have just fallen into eight, nine, ten sacks just because they play harder than their opponent. His superior effort gives him a chance to be a guy that can be a key contributor. Um, yeah, that's a good call. Um, let's go. I think that's defense. That wraps up defense. Let's switch it over to the offensive side of the ball. Um, let's start here at first position up. We are going to go with, let's go, let's get the offensive lineman in here. Let's go interior offensive line. So interior guys along that offensive line. Day two, I'm going to give you uh, one that I would, well, I think Zion Johnson's going to go one, so I can't use him. Uh, I will do, whew, man, I could go a couple different ways. This one, this player, I think will go day two. He could even slip into day three, but I'm I'm a buy him, and that's Luke Fortner from Kentucky. So I, I just think he doesn't get the fanfare that some of these other guys get. He ran five two one. He's not as athletic as some of the other names that are going to go ahead of him, but I think the ability to play all three interior spots, uh, the ability to take proper angles, working up to the second level, um, he can he can create movement and he stays on blocks. Like those are the things I'm looking for, for a center. He can anchor down. And maybe most importantly, Buck, this dude's got two master's degrees. <laughs> That's what you like about it. Give me all the smart centers. Like those guys play forever. I don't care what limitations you might have athletically. You give me smart and tough centers. If, if this is the other thing, if in, a, in another world where we wanted to be agents instead of doing what we're doing, if I wanted to be an agent, all I would do was just represent centers. That's it. <laughs> I'll let other people chase the quarterbacks. They can make all their zillions of dollars. I'm just going to get low-maintenance centers. They're going to start for 10 to 12 years. I'm going to collect those those checks, keep those checks coming on the commissions. No headaches. It's that's I would be the center agent. That's what, that's me. That's all I'd want to do. Man, look at you. I've already got center, my life plan center, planned out. Center, center agent. So I, If I get poop can tomorrow, I'm going to be representing centers. That's my job. Okay, so what good agents do is they also normally, when they – when they kind of find some success at one school, they tend to stay at that school. Yeah. So I'm going to stay right there with a guy that I like, and I'm going to go with Kennard. Oh, Darren Kennard. So there I'm going to go with Darren Kennard. And the reason I'm going to go with Darren Kennard is because even though he has played outside and we're projecting him to slide inside, I just like the bully it's mentality a big man. that he plays with. I mean, he's just a big bully at the point of attack. Uh, you think about how the game is going. You still need to be stout and sturdy on the inside. And even though we talk about a guy with 35-inch arms, we talk about 322 pounds, I just like his ability to move people off the ball. I don't think he would necessarily be able to do it consistently outside. I believe his home is going to be inside. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good point. We get to tackles here. You know, it's interesting. Tackles, it's kind of hard finding those day two tackles because you end up overvaluing tackles. They get pushed up the board. They all go in the first round. 
And then I feel like after that, you're looking at some developmental guys. I've done a study on this in the past. If you look at like the, you know, the highest hit rate or the the uh, the longevity of first round picks, tackle I think is pretty high up there. And trying to find quality starting tackles outside the first round is very difficult. Very hard. It is. It's just hard. it's such a hard thing. And I, a lot of it is is so much tied into not only the talent that they bring, but the system that they're thrust in and their neighbors. Mm-hmm. Because the offensive line, more than anybody else, you're dependent upon your neighbors. The chemistry of the offensive line is not just an individual sport. You have to have the connectivity. And so sometimes you might get left on an island. Sometimes you're asked to do things that you're not able to do. And so it's a very difficult evaluation in my estimation. So I have I've, uh, have a support group on uh, offensive linemen because <laughs> – I have wounds of guys that I've missed on. And then what happens, I end up punishing some of the next guys that come along for some of the sins of their forefathers. <laughs> uh, so I was, uh, I always like to call guys you trust and say, Hey, here's who I am on guys. Tell me, you think high or low. And then it caused you to go back and do some more work. So here's my example this year, Abraham Lucas from Washington state. Yeah. Think about, I, don't you, I, don't I, I went in on Andre spooked. Dillard. Spooked, I went in on Andre Dillard. Andre Dillard and got a little bit spooked because it hasn't worked out so well for him coming out of that same offense. So I think I maybe was a little unfair to Abe. Um, so I've given Abraham Lucas a little bit of a bump, which puts him in my day two range. He's somebody that can pass protect. He's got 42 starts. Um, so there's there's traits to work with. If I'm going to take a tackle on day two, I want you know some payoff there. Um, so that's one I would identify there on day two tackle. Okay, well, I mean, scars certainly stick with us, and so I'm trying just, to learn, trying to just hey, trying to be better, you know, trying to learn, trying to be better. Okay, so my guy is going to be Tyler Smith from Tulsa. Okay, six oh four five, three hundred and twenty four pounds. Here's the thing, the body looks the part. It is great. The fundamentals don't necessarily look the part, and so what I'm banking on is the coaching and experience, giving him an opportunity to develop a little expertise on that. He's a little raw and refined, but then DJ, in a league in which I saw those guys for the Cincinnati Bengals start in a Super Bowl, and it wasn't always clean, I am willing to bank on an O-line coach taking him and finding a way to get it done. All right. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to write down, down alliteration here. Um, <laughs> so, what are you writing down? So... Um, let me see. Okay, here we go. You ready? Here is my alliterative uh, alliteration report on uh, on Tyler Smith, who Tyler Smith is my 41st overall player. So if I'm going to go ret here, mm-hmm. I'm going to go perennially pissed pancake producer. <laughs> that's that's my report on Tyler Smith. That is one angry dude. I do not know who peed in his Cheerios, but somebody did, and he is not happy about it. So one of the things he has to clean up, 16 penalties, 12 holding penalties. Some of them, some of them I, will, I went and watched all of them because of that very reason. Some of them are, are college referees going, ooh, that just, didn't, that just is not nice. Like, they were not nice penalties. Like, nothing illegal about what he did, but it just wasn't very nice. We like nice guys. Yeah. I mean, we like nice guys. I'm, I'm, I was okay with some of those. He gets, he hooks guys a little bit. He's got to move his feet. <laughs> well, and, and see, here's the thing: because you talk about not being able to find second round guys, you have to kind of project and take a chance on guys because yeah. it doesn't always look pretty. And so, what you have to hope is you have an O line coach who is really good at taking these projects and making them potential starters. And he is someone who is going to start and he's going to play in this league. And so, what can we do to kind of fix some of the fundamental flaws? 
But the size, the athleticism, all that stuff is there. We just got to fix his footwork and the way that he plays. All right, tight ends. Keep in mind, I don't think any of them are going in round one. So you have the pick of the litter here for day two. You like anybody? Do you like any of these tight ends? I mean, I think they That's a lot of hesitation. Play. I mean, I think I think they play. I think there are a couple guys that I like. I think Trey McBride, I like. Okay. Even though you didn't like the other day on the show when I called him Rocky Road, which... I don't I like thought, Rocky Road ice cream. I it's mean, disgusting. I mean, I don't know if it's disgusting. You I mean, I haven't like, had it in 15 years. Who doesn't years? like chocolate marshmallows and nuts? Like, I mean, like it's kind of like the trifecta give you of a canker delicacies that, that, that you want. You are more of a, what, what a vanilla? Uh, a, I was a coffee a ice praline. cream. In my ice cream days, I was a coffee ice cream guy. Yeah, so McBride is one because I think of all the guys that we talk about, I think he's the one that has a chance to be a functional wide tight end. He's not a train killer when it comes to the blocking game or whatever, and he's not a speedster when it comes to being a seam runner. But I think of all the guys, he's the one that gives you the best of both worlds, which is why I believe he's the one that you kind of hang your hat on in the second round. All right, I like that one. Um, You know, gosh. It's difficult for me. I mean, I'm going to stick with Dulcich. He's my top tight end. I compared him to Owen Daniels coming out. Um, oh, good comparison. Yeah, he got a little. He's, he's got a little, little longer. Than, he's a little longer than Owen Daniels, right? Yeah, a little bit taller, just a smidge, but pretty close. Owen Daniels got some Pro Bowls though, right? That's a, he was good with Houston, man. Yeah. It was him and Schaub, right? Yeah. So I think the big thing with Dulcich, like having watched him in high school, because he went to St. Francis, um, which is locally, yeah, in the LA area. But just watching him, he was just like tall, skinny, mm-hmm. drinking water. And now you see him, hair is growing. He was out, a walk-on whiteout, and he's become a difference maker. DJ, you just don't average 17 yards per catch. You don't fall into that kind of average. No. So there is something about his game that's kind of crafty, deceptive, tricky that allows him to get down the seam. But you saw it in a couple of different things. When he catches it, he runs away from guys. He is not the explosive athlete that we've talked about expecting to fall in love, but there's something about the way he gets open. He's certainly a good player. No doubt. Um, all right, let's get to wideouts here. Um, let me see here. Day two wideouts. So the uh, low-hanging fruit for me is Sky Moore. I mean, I feel like I've been riding that train forever. I'm going to stick with that. He's got some Antonio Brown to him. He's got some inside-outside versatility, eats up cushion. He plays with urgency, plays with strength. You can use him on jet sweeps. Um, I just This guy's quicker than a hiccup, man. So I'm, I'm a fan of his game. I love guys with quickness and strength. He's got that combination. I like that. I'm okay with that. Um, how about I go to your guy? Because I, I think this is funny that you put this guy with the Seattle Seahawks. And I don't know if it's necessarily the second round, but I do believe day two, Alec Pierce from yeah. Cincinnati goes. Um, the DK Metcalf replacement thing is fascinating because when DK Metcalf was coming in, we all viewed him as a straight line player. He didn't have many routes in the route. Yeah. And I still don't believe, like people going to pay a bunch of gas. You're not getting a full route runner. But you're getting an impressive athlete. Well, Alec Pierce is a very impressive athlete. And in some offenses where the route running refinement is not necessarily a priority, he can go because he is very similar to me and DK in terms of like, you don't ask those tall guys to stop and start. Keep them on the move, speed cut it, do it. But his athleticism, his ability to take the ball off the rim, his overall explosiveness and athleticism is something that I think as a complimentary playmaker – on the outside, I think you love that because these numbers at the combine are ridiculous. Four four one, four and a half inch vertical, ten nine broad jump. I mean, you talk about a true and real decathlete. Everybody thinks they're getting this guy in the fourth round. He's going to go higher than that. He's going to go in the third round. Uh, yeah, 
if, if not, it doesn't sneak in the bottom yeah, of two. Bottom wouldn't two, shock yeah. me. He is he is an intriguing athlete, and the fact that he played against Sauce and all those other guys, he should be well prepared to have a little level of success as a pro. All right, let's go day two running backs. You know, running back position is fun. I mean, yeah. I have I have two that I'm going to disqualify. I'm going to disqualify Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker because they're two of my top 32 players. So even though running backs might not go one, they might go two, I'm not going to count them as my day two kind of stamp guys. I hmm. Who you like? I mean, it's Spiller, it's Kyron Williams, it's James Cook. Yeah, it's an interesting group of guys. So for me, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Spiller, and I tweeted this out earlier today, which was this is a difficult time of year, and Phil Savage is always talking about the fog of confusion. So there's so much stuff going on between the combine and pro days and whispers and rumors, and everybody else loves this guy, and they pound the table for him, and you begin to question, well, what about am I right? Am I wrong? And maybe a guy runs a little slower. It's just all this fog of information that's out there. And at some point in time, you got to go back and say, let me just put my blinders on, go back to what I thought of this player when I watched him on the video. And when I studied Isaiah Spiller, when I first watched him, I thought he was in the mix to be the best running back in the entire draft. I loved his game. He hasn't aced the rest of the process. But if I go back to that, I feel like that's when you can get your good value picks. So I'm going to go back with Isaiah Spiller. I like it. <clears throat> I like it, Scott. We always talk about this when you talk about players in general. Contact balance. Yeah. He runs through arm tackles. He has some unique ability. I am. Um, I, I know the sweet spot for finding running backs is day two, the second or third round. He's one of the guys that I've identified as being an intriguing one. Uh, this guy will not be a second-round pick, but I think he's intriguing because the normal guys that we talk about, Karen Williams and James Cole, like we always talk about them, but I believe we need to talk about Pierre Strong from South Dakota State. And one of the reasons when you go back and you think about guys that come from small schools that play in the running back rotations in the league, they tend to have a secret sauce, a special trait. When I look at Pierre Strong, he's a change of pace weapon who has some soft hands, who catches the ball out the backfield. He does some nice things. Having watched him at the East-West Shrine game, he's one of the best runners that we saw there. To me, when you're looking at guys that could be nice finds and sleepers, He's a sleeper that's going to be a borderline guy when it comes to day two. Yeah, he had 47 run, or 46 runs of 15-plus yards. So you talk about big-time uh, explosiveness and juice. And it's kind, of, it's kind of funny because when you watch him, you know, and this is the thing sometimes when you're projecting against competition, um, it's not dynamic or explosive because they're not wild runs. It's just, man, this dude makes a lot of big runs, and I don't know how he's getting to the second <laughs> level. You know? Uh, quarterback, day two quarterback. I'm going to go with Sam Howell. I, he's taken on a lot of water uh, through the process. I think just really kind of the Ritter Express took off. Um, but Sam Howell is my 48th player at this point in time. Uh, he's thick. He's sturdy. He's got quick feet. You know he can run. We saw that last year with what he did there. So he's got the toughness. I think he throws the ball as well as anybody in this draft, mm -hmm. just the way the ball comes out of his hand. So there, there's a lot of things to like there. doesn't have big size. He's just over six feet tall. Um, but this guy's competitive. He's got a big arm. He's a good athlete. The rest of it, you got to fill in the blanks. But I think that's a pretty good foundation to build with there. The best comparison that you made is when you compared him to Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Because I believe they're kissing cousins when it comes to the way that they play and the way that they will play as pros. And if not for Baker Mayfield possibly being overdrafted, I think this is kind of like where we would talk about how his game would normally translate. Because if Baker Mayfield was a second-round pick as opposed to number one overall, I think the people in Cleveland and everyone around he'd be viewed be differently. He'd be yeah. viewed differently. I think for Sam Howell, Sam Howell falls into that category. Um, 
outside of that, I mean, it's the, the normal five. We could talk about Matt Corral going in the second round and being the gunslinger, playing with fast hands and those things. But the quarterbacks that come beyond the top five that we talk about, the Carson Strongs, uh, Jack Cohn, EJ Perry, like they're all guys that you kind of throw up in there. I don't know who is going to emerge after we get out of that that top five. Mm-hmm. Carson Strong is the one that people talk about just because the strong arm. I'll take Jack Cohn from Notre Dame out of that group. Jack Cohn, how about the lacrosse background? I love that. I mean, the lacrosse background. He, stick ability, recruited by Notre Dame, goes to Wisconsin and ends up back there. That yeah. was one that we saw. That's it. That's uh, that's our day two guys uh, that we like. That's our little stamp of approval on these day two players. We'll see how this all shakes out. Um, all right, we're going to take a quick break, come back, get some uh, questions answered here from uh, from our listeners here. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, Nabil, you're up, dude. You uh, you have been really spending a lot of time combing through all these questions we've got here, and you're going to give us the absolute best of the best or or just the ones that got submitted. Go ahead. Yeah, I, p- <laughs> I picked the best. So the first question, Daniel Jeremiah has Kyle Hamilton falling to 11 in his latest mock draft. Does a DB help unlock that highly talented commander's defensive line? And that's from Darren T. Midget. All right, Darren. Um, I, I will say, look, that that, off, that defensive line shouldn't need somebody like Kyle Hamilton to be dominant when they're <laughs> dialed in. Um, they can they can do their own thing. I will say, I, I think that Kyle Hamilton will be the benefactor of that front playing like they can, playing up to their ability level. He'll get his hands on a bunch of balls if, if that front comes back and plays like they can. I think what's funny is when you talk to Kyle Hamilton, Kyle Hamilton says that the guy that he looked up to was the late, great Sean Taylor. You're able to get Kyle Hamilton in that defense with that size. I'm not saying that he's Sean Taylor, but man, when you see him, if he puts on those big shoulder That's pads, big man. he's certainly going to bring back some of those images. I believe there's a lot that you can do with him that wasn't done necessarily at Notre Dame. He can play down to the line of scrimmage. I believe he can be one of those blisters that gets you four and a half, five sacks off the edge. He's a good player. If, if the Washington Commanders are able to get him at that pick, man, they should run the card up. All right, Nabil, what we got? All right, question two. DJ Bucky. How about what, a little more emotion, though? Just a right. little. And yeah, yeah. yeah, with your reads and stuff, like we need a little more enthusiasm. <laughs> and if you have commas and punctuation there, let's, let's go, nail them. Let's yeah, nail them. Right. Right, let's let's go. Yield signs. Let's go. What could you see Buffalo doing in round one? Do you think they should go wide receiver to add a young, cheap, complimented Stefan Diggs after he signed that big deal? And that's from Mucknell. See, you could have changed your inflection a little bit. Do you think? Or yeah. do you <laughs> think? Like yeah, there's we, there's a lot of you can play around this. We gotta, Why don't we answer this question? Start working on the next one and just let's yeah, get some a little more life read, into that. Read one. through it to kind of figure out what you're gonna do. Like you make that out, like yeah. kind of do it by, by phonics, you know, set those things out so we can get a little more juice out of you. You like a wide out for the Bills? I love a wide out. More than Mary. Hey, more than Mary, the juice because you bring Isaiah McKenzie back, you sign him, you let Cole Beasley go. Emmanuel Sanders retired. Did you hear Emmanuel Sanders, by the way, uh, talking about uh, Gabriel Davis? He, I, he wasn't very excited about it. Yes, he was. And I, good reason. The way he finished up the year against the Kansas City Chiefs, 
by the way, side note, Sauce Gardner, when we asked him the other day, what do you say to people who say you haven't played anybody? He goes, yeah. go look at what I did against that dude as a freshman. How about <laughs> like, that? Okay. How about that? <laughs> Another receiver for the Buffalo Bills would, would be great. I also would like maybe a little Brees Hall. A little Brees Hall. I like that. Yeah, I think that's what I had First going there, too. Running back that has a little dual threat ability. I think that'll work. All right, Nabil. Let's go. Let's bring it on this Come one. Come on. Who can the Bears get to help Justin Fields with their two second-round picks and third-round pick? That's from Squad Up Mac. Yeah, see, I feel the confidence building back there behind the glass. Yep. Oh, oh my God. Like that was Energy's the, up. That was the excited one? Yes. That's that was. What, you couldn't the, tell the difference? And the bill, don't, don't coach because your pregame talks. I don't know if your pregame talks can get us ready to run out the tunnel. We're going to have to oh, get somebody I, else. I, to I, hey, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm building him up, see? You're the stick. I'm the carrot. I'm just trying to help. <laughs> I'm trying to build up the confidence here. Um, Justin Fields, they have two second-round picks and a third-round pick, Buck. So if we're looking at, and remember that that's pick uh, 48 is from the Chargers. So they pick 39 and 48. So if we want to give Justin Fields a little help here at 39 and 48, if we're looking at wideouts in that 39-48, we kind of just went over this group. Um, you know, is it, a, is it a Christian Watson? You know what? George Pickens could be kind of a big upside play for them. Yeah. Swing th- for the think, fences a little bit. Swing for the fences. Out of Georgia. I think they're a team that needs to double up when it comes to the wide receivers based on what they have. Yeah, I think you could give them someone that is solid. You talk about Christian Watson, who certainly could be there in the second round. And then you come back and you roll the dice on a George Pickens, who has big playability but was coming off the knee, so we didn't fully get a chance to see it. But make no mistake, he has a lot of talent. He's a very talented player throughout his time at Georgia. All right, what we got? One more, Nabil? Yeah, that's the last question coming up. All right, punch this one up. Let's really punch it. I got it. Could you talk about the late free safety Sean Taylor? Would his style play work in today's NFL? Ooh, and that that's was from E H H L. Did you hear how he said would his style? He, would, he would. changed his inflection a yeah. little bit on that one. That was nice. Uh, go ahead, Buck. Uh, yes, he could play in any era. <laughs> he play in any era, anytime he wants. It, we can figure it out because um, for those who haven't had an opportunity to really go back and look at the highlights, and I'm oh. just talking about the highlights from his time with the Washington Football Team, but going all the way back to Miami, one. This was a time when in the, the, the meeting rooms where you used to have the pictures, the combine photos, and Sean Taylor had the tattoo on his chest, Maiden Dade. He absolutely was Maiden Dade County. When you see someone that was built like that, he was so big, so physical. He could return punts. He was, at the time, this is the heyday of Miami where they're playing that two deep coverage, but he is making tackles at the line of scrimmage. He is the prototype of what you want as a free safety, and... Yes, he absolutely could play because, in my mind, the offspring of Sean Taylor are the guys like Derwin James, like all those guys. We we would ask Sean Taylor to do the same things that we asked Derwin James to do. So my uh, first year with the Baltimore Ravens, one of my first years there, maybe my first or second year, we are scrimmaging uh, at that time the Washington Redskins. Mm. So it's going to be, you know, they're going to come to, uh, I can't remember, I think it was at M&T Bank Stadium, so it was in Baltimore. And so in practice, you know, guys can wear different numbers. So our guys, and I've seen our guys all a lot, and this is, you know, this is Ray Lewis and Ed Reed and Suggs, and I think Nada might have been there at that time. It's a good-looking group of dudes. And so and they're all, and there's Ray, I think, was wearing number one or something like that, came out in single digits. And then all of a sudden, Washington comes out, and LeVar Arrington comes running out in the field. I was like, whoa, you didn't get anybody that looks like that. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Sean Taylor came out, and I was like, what is that? <laughs> That's the that's Sean Taylor. I had no idea 
Did you play against him? No, no. Oh my no, he was, gosh. he was just he was just coming in. I'm literally. Holy holy. You, like, in in the meeting, when you look at you know how they put the, the picture of the combine, they put the combine picture up of the prospect when you begin to talk about him. And you just look and you're like, man. And we talk about in meetings, I don't know if we still can use the phrase, but body beautiful. Yeah. But just put together, long arms, chisel, well-built, great athlete, great ball skills, played the right way, but had the toughness and grit to change the tenor of your defense. I mean, every defensive coach in the league wants a guy like Sean Taylor in the back end. Great story. Side side note on that as we get ready to wrap up the show here. So that think about all those players I just mentioned, right? They're all out there. And uh, we go to the scrimmage, and of all players, you would, I could give you 50 guesses of who dominated that scrimmage. Clinton Portis, I think, was the running back for them. We had Jamal Lewis. We've got Todd Heap. You know, there's players everywhere. Mark Brunel was the quarterback, I think, for Washington at that time, okay? Chris Cooley might have caught 14 passes in that in that scrimmage period. They could We could not stop Chris Cooley. You, Chris McAllister, Ed Reed, we no answer for Chris Cooley. Do you remember how good he was? He was He's like one of the more underrated guys. So here, here's the thing to Chris Cooley. It's funny, the, the podcast drifts into a Chris Cooley story, but I remember going to watch him at Utah State. Yeah. And I am looking at the H-back, and he just – I mean, you know, he, he he's kind of become the guy that is always the prankster and all this stuff during his time as a pro, but he had the curly hair and all this other stuff. But this dude is just getting down the seam. He has soft hands. He can do everything. And that's why speed is not always the thing at tight end. He has some subtle oh, nuance man. to his game where he is creating separation. And he did it over and over and over again. He had a nice career with Washington. Uh, but as a prospect, I remember just falling in love with him when he was coming out of Utah. 6'3", 243 pounds. Wasn't the biggest guy. It was kind of a move tight end, but um, he was a wrestler, played baseball, all those different sports in his background. I'm telling you, but I'll, I'll never forget it. They couldn't, couldn't cover Chris Cooley. No chance. Like, the ball is going to Cooley. We, we couldn't do anything about it. Um, it was crazy. Um, all right, anything else you want to add before we get out of here? No, that's it. We, 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 we're good to go. Okay, Lowell, let's see. We got, we got the Mood 6 TV show. Yep. It airs this Thursday, 5 p.m. Eastern on NFL Network. We have Mock Draft Live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. And then Path to the Draft is on NFL Network at 6 p.m. Eastern throughout the week. Every Bill, you see that? That's a professional that. read. That's a professional read. Little change in energy and all this other stuff. So the next time that we have you kind of read, a little more energy. Oh, you're fine to be able. Let me just give you one quick lesson. Here's the lesson. So we're going to get, this is a quick lesson on being high and low. So like, I'm going to say the Padres started out three and one, like very excited. Now, Buck, talk about the Dodgers. Go ahead. Go ahead. Talk about their start. <laughs> the Dodgers will win the World Series. How about that? Very matter of fact, very, very not with that That's pitching. Not with that pitching. They're not winning the it's World Series. It's a marathon, series. not a sprint. Greatest lineup, my backside. All right. That's it for us. I hope you guys have enjoyed the show. We'll catch you next time right here on Move the Sticks. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, 
your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 